I'm not a clean painter by any means. So yeah, it's like overalls, sweats, maybe some stretchy pants. That's about it. Yeah. Today you are here with Sky Becker Yamakawa and Catherine Moore. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sky. Hi. Happy Valentine's Day. You too. Thanks. So, what are you working on this week? So, this week I am working on some small little mini paintings. Cool. Basically, <laughs> I'm trying to do some smaller works to put on in my web store, mm-hmm. just so I can have some lower price points to be more accessible to people because right now the only artwork I have left on my website is larger so it's a little more expensive so I'm going to try to do some smaller pieces and get them up there so that's what I'm doing very cool how how small how small is small <laughs> like how small is small six by six or five by seven like around there okay. yeah so not not very big okay are they oils or acrylics or watercolors i'm doing acrylic mostly and then some of them i'm going over with oil okay sometimes i want to complete it in acrylic and then it gets to this point where it's like oh i wish i could blend it better and then i'll (laughs) it with oil but i i'll work on it to acrylic to a point and then start adding oil on it when i feel like i can do it better with oil Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I always flip partway through. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm doing. But yeah, how about you? What are you working on this week? Back in like November, December of 2023, I was trying to like lay out all the paintings or the majority of the paintings for 2024 to complete. Mm-hmm. And I had one last large piece, 24 by 36 mm-hmm. of sketch that I didn't quite complete. So I am trying to get that fully rendered and under typically before March. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because I've been producing, you know, once 2024 Mm -hmm. hit and then for like the smaller series, I do have to sketch Mm -hmm. those out. Like when I do 10 plus and they're like six by six larger pieces. So that one like got halfway through and then it was put aside because the new year started and I had to start painting. (laughs) Right. Do you usually do that? Do you usually sketch your stuff for the year ahead of time or I don't. This is my first time doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do have to have all of those sketched out beforehand. Okay. The whole series understood before I go and start painting. Otherwise I get hung up and I think it was like Matthew Grabelski had mentioned that he does a full color mock-up And that Mm -hmm. really helps. And that's probably something I really should consider. And he says in the long run, it saves him time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I tried to do that. I tried before with, because I'd like to sketch on a heavier paper, like a watercolor or a Bristol or something with weight and a little bit of tooth. I just like the way it feels. And I've tried doing watercolor or acrylics on top of that to understand and then it never quite works right. So I should have yeah. asked him more like, do you do the sketch and then you do a separate sketch and paint that and then do the final painting. So the sketch stays pristine. 
Yeah, that's that's a very illustrator way of working. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Thumbnails, grayscale, color cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know like once I started painting for galleries, I don't do any of that. I sketch right? and I paint. And that's it. Like I've dropped all the the middle stuff. Do you sketch directly onto your surface or do you do a preliminary sketch on a sketch? I usually do a preliminary sketch either in Procreate or on paper. Okay. And then I'll transfer it. Although I'm starting to, the sketch used to be rendered and now it's getting less and less. And sometimes it's just shapes at this point that I know where it is. And then I go in and really figure it out while I'm painting. Okay. Figure out the the detail shapes and stuff like that. Right. And we've had artists who do both. Yeah. And they all explain, no, this works better. And I think different things work for different people. Different things work for different people at different times of their life. At different times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we will be right back to talk about artist block. Troy Brooks, I love your work. And I noticed on your website, you have paintings and drawings on view. You also have a link to the materials you use. That's right, Catherine. My website is actually one of my favorite ongoing projects. It's something I'm constantly shaping and adding on to. A few years ago, I started getting really creative with video content, and that's become a great big quilt with all these different elements of my work ditched all over it. And it's also a virtual gallery where collectors can come and purchase original pieces direct from my studio vault. That's TroyBrooks.com. Hello and welcome back. Today, we are talking about artists block help. Help for artist block. Yeah. Help. <laughs> So we did an episode really, really early on, definitely the first season. Mm -hmm. And I think that I ended up having to have a guest host. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So this one, you know, there's always new information. So I think we'll cover new information and now I get to have your perspective on it, Catherine. So that'll be be nice. (laughs) Yeah. So today we will discuss help with artist blocks. What is an artist block? One, two, why are you experiencing an artist block? And three, how to get over an artist block. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is an artist block? Also known as a creative block, an artist block is a period of time which an artist is unable to create. Your mind is just blank. Art block is a common experience among artists where they struggle with inspiration, motivation, and creativity. Mm-hmm. Why might you experience an artist block? The internet gave lots of different reasons. The top one was fear. <laughs> fear Fear. blank blank canvas syndrome (laughs) right right yeah it said let's face it that's an emotion that slams into everyone at one time or another do you have some huge life changes coming up are you afraid of what others think afraid people will like your art it said others could be like boredom maybe you've been spending too much time in your studio working Mm -hmm. you're overthinking and there was tons but i just sort of grabbed a handful (laughs) The last one was not trusting the process. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Have you had a creative block? Oh, yeah. I mean, from time to time. I mean, if we're defining artist block as lack of motivation, then yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think mine, I I don't ever say it's fear for me. Like, it's more like... I've been working on this thing, especially if like I'm doing the same thing. I think this was true when I was sometimes when I'm doing like illustration work or something and you're working on like this series as the same thing over and over. I'm just oh. like, oh God, 
want to do one more please as far as like inspiration I guess I think that's less frequent for me okay I guess it's the idea that I which I guess could be inspiration like you're in a show that is really vague on the theme which is what I'm always I know there's artists who's like yay we can do whatever we want because you know I studied illustration and everything I did for art it was for a story or to tell a story or to to do something so whenever the theme is really vague it's so hard for me to do something I don't know if that's block or if that's just me going I don't know what to do so, I don't yeah. know that's I don't know I don't want to overthink it <laughs> right I was like are what it is, is like I'll yeah. overthink it yeah yeah it's like well, what are you doing for the show I was like I don't know all I know is that it was it's like you could paint whatever you want it just has to be on a square and I'm like huh now there's so much to choose from that it's hard for me to pinpoint what it is I want to do right whereas like if there's like a clear theme like we're painting cats in movies (laughs) or something (laughs) I mean that's like oh cool I could go with I could run with that right but I guess the the idea of something has already been sparked in that way Okay. Yeah. How about you? You've dealt with block a lot. I think maybe I experienced the creative block really early on in my mm-hmm. art practice, but the blocks now it's more a block will hit me. And sometimes it's like being overwhelmed. Yeah. For example, for this year, I was changing up my process and trying to have all of the paintings that I would do for the new year fully realized and sketched out before the mm-hmm. year started. And that was a moment where it was a little overwhelming. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't like, right. there's a I lot of drawings I have to do yeah. to commit to doing those paintings. And I don't know where I'm going to be and where my mind will be then. Mm-hmm. But once I started to sketch them out then and just quiet my mind, I guess that would be the overthinking. <laughs> right. I knew right away. And I think the previous year when I chose the theme that I was going to focus on for the year, the same thing, I like started sketching things, going backwards a little. And it was just, it was like repulsive to me. Oh, I can't do that. No, right. <laughs> the drama. Sometimes the best thing to do with if I'm stuck is I'll just start sketching. Yeah. It's almost like meditative in a way. It's kind of calms your mm-hmm. overly analyzing brain. <laughs> Right, exactly. And let you just get in touch with the creative so person. Just, just nothing to it but to do it. <laughs> right. It's tough. Typically, if I come across it in my daily work, I get blocks on colors. It's like, I already oh, use okay. that color. I already use that color. Well, yeah, because your, your stuff is so colorful. You have right, so I, many colors. I use a lot of colors and I'll be like, no, that color isn't right. No, no, I have mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do have to think about it. Well, what am I trying to say? Or what is the main focus? And what does this color do? How does that impact the main subject or the focus of the piece? Right. So it's, it's a fine line. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so next we have how to get over artist block. And there were all these suggestions. One was to create a movie poster. It said, Take a blank piece of paper, do some drawings and tools, and do a poster of your favorite movie in your own unique style. 
Okay. Another one. Was, I like that actually. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I was like, oh, ooh, that's fun. Right. Well, it sounded like, is this a theme for Gallery 1988? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, ooh, that's fun. Right. Number two is pick a song and play it on loop. And as you listen to it, paint an abstract piece or your thoughts or your feelings as you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Three was take a black and white image and color it. Don't let your left brain take over, just color. Okay. Another one was go outside, exercise, do something active. Another one was use a different medium. That Mm -hmm. usually goes with use a different medium. Oh my God, I'm so terrible at this. I'm running back to. (laughs) (laughs) Running back to the other thing. Yeah. (laughs) Quickly. One was say no to any additional work. Enjoy less tasks. So basically slow it down. Mm -hmm. It says that we involve ourselves in busy work to avoid facing the things that challenge us. And that requires us to change on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next one was do some right brain activities. The right side of your brain is an infinite wellspring of knowledge and power. Just waiting to be tapped in. If you're experiencing creative block, then chances are good that you're spending too much time on your left brain. Okay. Supposedly, (laughs) you know, the left brain is the more analytical analytical and the right side is more creative. I think that that assumption is based on the fact that most people are right-handed. So I wonder if it's switched or different if you're left-handed. It's interesting because if you go to art school, which which I did, I went to an art school and about half the people that I went to school with were left-handed. Mm-hmm. There is something to be said where if you're a creative, you're more likely to be left-handed because you're using the right side of your brain, right? Because the opposite <laughs> side controls. But I was oh. like, but then again, I know so many artists that are right-handed. <laughs> right. So are we just fighting with our brains constantly? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I have a lot of family members who are left-handed. Mm-hmm. And, and are I, they artists? Oh, are no. Artists? No. Yeah. <laughs> right? Attorneys, accountants, yeah. you name it. <laughs> right. No art. Yeah. And then the last suggestion was just work through it. Yeah. This might sound like the most difficult option, but it's also the most effective. Pablo Picasso is quoted as saying, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Chuck Close said something about, and I'm paraphrasing, there's an actual quote, but he said, amateurs get inspired, the rest of us just get to work or something like that. (laughs) We show up every day and work. (laughs) That's funny. But I, I mean, that's, that's what I, was, I think I was saying earlier. It's like, oh, nothing to it but to do it. But yeah, you just, sometimes you're like, well, sometimes deadlines are really good at getting you out of blocks. Yeah. Like I gotta get it done. Right. The suggestions and how we approach the artist block is different than how we did on the first time we covered it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think one of them was a deadline. And one of the suggestions was a limited palette. And it talked about, Dr. Seuss, how he had to do a limited palette and words mm-hmm. for one of his books. But there are so many different suggestions out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I like it's endless. My go to is probably when I'm feeling stuck, I just tend to go do something that is not art. Just whatever. As so I go watch a movie, read a book, go take a walk out in nature, mm. just go do something if you have the time for it. Like if you're not under a deadline. That's true. When I had like a block creatively, when I was younger in my career, it was going to art museums mm-hmm. and looking through art books, like masters and just one of those giant anthology, those super heavy hundred artists you should know. And just right, like exactly. looking through those helps. 
now I think the best approach for me is just work through it. Just keep going and just remind yourself that there's no mistakes. (laughs) Right. Keep saying that if you're not doing watercolor, right? (laughs) Yeah. There's no mistakes, only happy accidents. Right. 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 Just, you just got to keep throwing something at it. (laughs) Earlier in my career, it it was all about like, it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, okay. I can fix something. If it goes horribly wrong, I can fix it. Like I have more confidence in my abilities that I can fix something if it goes astray. (laughs) I think back then, if I was blocked, I might have had to do more fear back then because I was so worried about it. Oh, the client's going to hate it or the gallery's going to hate it or (laughs) I'll never sell this. I'm never going to be good enough. And that adage about don't perfection be the enemy of the good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That was definitely in effect in in my earlier days. And now it's just like good enough is good. (laughs) Yeah. It does not have to be perfect. Some of it, right, is confidence. Like you said, it, it can always fix it when. Yeah. And that happens sometimes for me. It's just just take a breath. You can always fix it or, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. You can fix this. You have the ability to do that now. It's definitely not a nice place to be in. No, no, it's no, it's no fun. Right. Feeling like, oh, I don't like feeling like I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> That's the feeling that feels horrible. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Then you have to remember why you wanted to do art in the first place. Yeah. The blocks are real and they're tough. There is a lot of fear and self-doubt. I think that imposter syndrome that sneaks in there and contributes to it. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, you just have to have confidence and believe. Confidence and belief and a gumption to get up and do it. <laughs> just, I, yeah, I'm with you. It was just work through it. It happens. It happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not alone. Well, we will be right back with Art News. I want my skies art. I want my skies art. We want our skies art. I want my skies art. Call your cable company and get your skies art today. Hello and welcome back. Today we have our art news segment and it is about Spike Lee. Good old Spike. Good old Spike. Spike Lee had Oscar Nikes that sell for more than $50,000 after being dug out of a Portland donation bin. Wow. Yeah. I guess this took place technically at the tail end of 2023. Mm-hmm. So it's not 2024 art news. It seems that the Christmas spirit is alive and well in Portland, Oregon, and at Sotheby's, where a rare pair of Nike Air Jordan shoes originally designed for Spike Lee sold for $50,800, according to Artnet News. 
The gold-painted leather sneakers were found in April of 2023 in a donation bin at the Burnside Shelter location of the Portland Rescue Mission. The donor remains anonymous. Mm-hmm. And the full hammer price went to benefit the mission. The buyer, of course, still paid the regular fees due to the auction house. It was Nike Air Jordan 3 Retro Spike Lee Oscars first appeared on Spike's feet at the red carpet during the 91st Annual Academy Award Ceremony in 2019. Hmm. We'll post a picture of them. They look like not current Nikes, not even 2018. They look like vintage throwbacks. Uh-huh. So I was like, wait, really? Those look like they're from the 80s. or <laughs> Yeah. Vintage. <laughs> yeah. Lee would accept an Oscar for his film, Black Klansman. According to Sotheby's on the sneaker's heel are decorated logos for Lee's production company, 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks, and an oversized Jumpman insignia. The shoes are also embroidered with Lee's signature and the signature of their designer, Tinker Hatfield. While this particular pair never graced Lee's feet, so they don't have Spike Lee's feet sweat. <laughs> yeah. The shoe was never released to the public. So it's a very rare. And there's only a few pairs in circulation. Uh-huh. That was interesting. But it's like, wait a minute. So there's more than one pair. <laughs> right. But he, so he never wore this particular pair. He never wore that pair. Okay. According to the mission website, a man in a long-term shelter program found the shoes which appeared to be in brand new condition because they were never worn mm-hmm. while sorting through the donation bin. And then they made it to the program director and he recognized them. Okay. And he took them to a high-end resale shop in downtown Portland. And after taking another look, the owner of the shop offered to buy them on the spot for $10,000. Oh, wow. Or to consign them in the store for a larger return. And mm-hmm. after a bit of research... The Holcomb, the guy from the mission office, learned that a similar pair had been auctioned at Sotheby's in 2021 and earned $48,000. Mission reached out to Hatfield, who flew into Portland, authenticated the shoes, and gifted the mission additional design paraphernalia, including the replacement box, a frame design proof, which he signed for Sotheby's. And the shoes ended up there, and they sold. Wow. For the 50000 right? Yeah, for more than the other pair. Yeah. And it went to a good cause. Awesome. That's crazy. I didn't even think that, well, one, that they would have more than one pair. And then it makes you wonder, well, how many are there? <laughs> right. Exactly. And that was nice of the designer to come in and help and make sure that they had what they needed to earn money. Right. Get the, the authentication and all that stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Do you uh, do sneakers or anything? You're a <laughs> no, doc. Yeah. You're a doc Martin person. I wear docs. I, I mean, I do have, I mean, I have Vans. I have Converse and stuff like that, but I have a pair of Nikes for walking and, <laughs> you know, I just, but I don't go, Ooh, I have to have Nikes. Ooh, I have to have, I've never been into certain things. <laughs> right. I was like, so yeah, it's, I don't, I'm not a, not a shoe collector but okay so you don't have any shoes where you're I only wear these for specific occasions they're special like if the house was burning down I'm going back for these no no they can all burn I don't care (laughs) I can replace them (laughs) yeah yeah I don't I don't have any special do you do you have special shoes I wear them all (laughs) I wear them all too much for them to be special but I definitely do enjoy certain shoes like Doc Martens of my doc I have a pair of 
they go by numbers now and I don't know them what in my day it was you count the eye holes so it's fine I have ah. a pair of 20 eyes but now son who worked for Doc Martens for years he was oh it's this number they go by the date they were released they have a number which is the release date of that particular model okay <laughs> I was like I'm not going to remember the numbers that is a 20 eye 20 eye Doc Martens so I have a pair that are 20 eyes with like skulls on them and that those are probably my favorite pair of docs but I mean if, if I lost them I lost them like <laughs> not attached right right well, those sound cool yeah yeah no I wear my shoes out too much <laughs> the first year of COVID it's I'm at home I don't have an outside job anymore so I don't have different shoes that I wear out I've been pretty much a homebody so. yeah COVID kind of destroyed the the shoe fetishness thing yeah. too for me <laughs> there were shoes that I admired before COVID I was like oh I'd like to get this and then I think I got like one pair and I'm like where am I gonna wear them like I'm gonna wear yeah. them around the block to walk the dog yeah That's exactly the point. when we went to our trip to Vienna that was the first time I had really gone clothes shopping in years no <laughs> because <laughs> well what do I need it's like these another pair of sweats to wear around the house so I actually right oh I gotta go buy some nice clothes <laughs> So I do, I do have, I have, do have new clothes now, which is nice. <laughs> okay. But but now they're just sitting in a drawer and I'm, when am I going to wear them? Because what that am I wearing right now? Next... Sweats. Yeah. Right. That was my next question is, are you wearing them now or are you still No. Like... <laughs> no. If I have a, like an art show or something to go to, I guess I can wear them, but I just don't leave. I was like, and I'm not going to get dressed up to walk around my house. Sorry. No, I know. I know. I think COVID sort of beat that out of us yeah and those I'm I paint in the studio and I'm not gonna ruin clothes I'm not a clean painter by any means so yeah it's like overalls sweats maybe some stretchy pants that's about it yeah it's what's comfortable to be I mean you wouldn't think like a painter a big physical activity but there is like standing and sitting and Mm -hmm. Moving in different positions where it is not, you want to wear clothes that are comfortable. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Where can we find you online, Catherine? You can find me on my website, which is tncanvas.com, or you can find me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and threads, all at tncanvas. Great. And I am at skiesart.com or skiesartshop on Instagram and threads. Please follow and like Off the Easel podcast wherever you listen to it. And as Spike Lee once said, I think people who have faults are a lot more interesting than people who are perfect. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and happy Happy creating. creating.